friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come not to bury the Eagles, but to praise them. Ah, the Eagles are going back to the playoffs. Chicago Bears are my new second favorite team, and now the uh, number one object of my scorn and ire. I'm Russ Joy, joined as always by Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Kevin. Yep. Very exciting. There's never, uh, well, there's never a doubt, right? Oh, no. No, we knew all along. Underdogs. It was man. always gonna. Yeah, I mean, it was always gonna play out. This Hungry way, dogs right? run faster. As soon as they went to six and seven, as soon as they fell to six and seven, obviously, uh, obviously they were gonna go out and beat the Rams in L.A. Obviously they were gonna beat the Texans at home, and then obviously they were gonna beat Washington's fourth string quarterback, and the um, Minnesota Vikings were gonna predictably uh, drop a turd on their home field to end the season, and uh, the the dream is alive yep the new norm yeah you're right um i guess the first thing that comes to mind is it, it was a a pretty um pretty solid beatdown of the reincarnation of jason campbell for the washington redskins yeah. uh, <laughs> nothing like a 24 nothing loss look I, look i i think there was <laughs> i think there was reason to be concerned going into that game just in theory, like, you know, I know the joke had been made, and Chris and I, by the way, I think, I, I don't think you were one of them, I think Chris and I mm. were the only ones on the site who picked the Eagles to win and the Bears to win. Well, I didn't make a prediction. I forgot to get mine in, uh, so I guess I get a big... Do, so don't what, I get, like, an automatic loss for that? Do we yeah. even have rules for this Yeah, we don't have rules, yeah, but yeah. did you think the Bears were going to win? Sorry. Um, Be honest. I mean, it seemed like it was likely. Yeah, I mean, when you looked at the when you looked at both of them on paper, obviously you looked at the Eagles going down to Washington and beating up on Jason Campbell reincarnate, and the Bears were the better team than the Vikings. So I don't I don't think there was really any. You know, it's not like the Vikings had necessarily been playing that well recently. You know, after the whole John D. Filippo thing and whatever, I, I think on paper, uh, you'll just have to believe me. Uh, but I think that's what I would have predicted if I had made a prediction. Well, I don't believe you, and uh, the site doesn't lie. So you, uh, you were just question marks. You had no idea what was going to happen, and I am very proud. Of the I, had, I, I got enough. Right. Yeah, I got enough on my plate trying to, you know, get a bunch of shit up today and and yesterday or whatever. So I was like, oh, just whatever with the prediction. I, I don't really have a prediction. So to give the people, I guess, a, a little rundown, we'll obviously recap the Eagles. Um, Every prediction there, there, I made there, was wrong anyway this year. So. There was some. Uh, are you? Do you have a higher percentage than Phil does on the Premier League picks every week? Um, I don't there, know. Are there really so many? Com- like dude, there are so many commenters, uh, and I'm, I'm usually like I'm usually con- like convinced that it's the same guy. But I oh, have yeah, noticed yeah, that in, in recent weeks, there, now there've been a few different IPs now oh, going after poor okay. Phil. Well, and maybe his it's Premier him League on picks, his him him on his phone. He's bashing himself. At the Dunkin' Donuts. No, no, no. Oh, like the, guy, the guys, the, the guys, okay. the guys who have the same comments, but like different IP addresses. Like one, one, and one, they'll make a comment like sitting at work during the day, and then they'll like be on their lunch break and they'll go on their phone and you know make a comment from Starbucks, and then they'll go home and make another comment. So it's the same dude doing it from three different IP addresses. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll do Eagle stuff. Um, there were some things that happened after the game. Of course, we're going to talk about Manny Diaz. Is it Diaz? Diaz? I mean, I'm going to go Spanish for it. It's Diaz. Yeah. Uh, spurning Temple to go back to Miami. Uh, a couple other things. We won't get into a ton of detail on Yori Laterra, but for those who might have missed it, if you're a Flyers fan, Yori Laterra, who had been um, had charges brought against him and, and had been connected to a, a massive uh, Finnish cocaine ring uh, back in September, was officially charged today. Uh, it's Monday. It's Chris. It's uh, New Year's Eve, so nothing like getting charged with... Uh, being part of a cocaine ring. Although, in fairness to him, it wasn't him actually being a kingpin of the whole thing. 
apparently, uh, according to the the Finnish uh, prosecutors, they were saying that he acquired eight grams of cocaine between June and July, mm. and uh, some wiretapping led them to uh, Yuri Laterra's, I guess, lake cottage. So that's a that's a bad way to go down. But Laterra's still with the team, and they uh, they're delaying, I guess, any kind of charges against him uh, until a later date. But he has been officially charged. So we'll talk about that on Snow the Goalie uh, with uh, with Anthony Sanfilippo myself at another time to be uh decided in the future we will not get into a lot of the sixers because uh quite frankly the sixers effort last night was so disgraceful and uh, i we spent like an hour talking about it during the last podcast too we did the the only thing i thought they played very well against utah and that was not we we didn't get that in the in the last one but i'll just say they played very well against utah and that was a nice uh bounce back win for them and then uh last night with the trailblazers just right back into the toilet with uh you know, they go and rip off a good bounce back win, and then they go have a crappy loss. So it's a wash. You know. Well, the funny thing was, and and I think this is where, like, you know, obviously not a lot of people get to catch a lot of West Coast games unless you have league pass or if you're just I don't know watching a lot of highlights the next day. But a lot of people seem to think that the Utah Jazz were this like great team because last year they had a, a pretty decent record and they had Donovan Mitchell yeah, and everything yeah, was yeah. looking up. But right now they're uh, they're eighteen and nineteen. I think as of that game going in, they were seventeen and nineteen, or the Sixers. Yeah, they're a five hundred. Yeah, they're five hundred team. Yeah. yeah, they're eleventh in the conference. They're behind even the Sacramento Kings, who are in ninth and over five hundred. So uh, there's yeah, that. That's yeah, one yeah. little bit of uh, well, I think situation situationally, like the uh, listen to us say, we're not going to talk about the Sixers, and now we're talking about the Sixers. Situationally, coming off the loss in Boston, like now a nice rebound, a nice bounce back win for them. They looked really locked in and assertive. And then even if they didn't have Embiid last night. You know, Portland was coming off a back-to-back the night before where they played Golden State. So I think that's why people were hoping for a little bit more. Jimmy Butler was like two – what did he finish? Like two for nine, something like that? Two for 11? It was bad. J.J. Reddick couldn't really hit much of anything. So that's that's about about all that we need to – Well, and I saw the excuse that, you know – Well, I saw the excuse that, you know, Joel Embiid wasn't playing, so what did you expect? It's like, well, Portland's a good team. Portland still has better backcourt depth than the Sixers do, for sure, right, with with Dame and C.J. McCollum. But Mm – you you can't. Are you and Lillard you and Lillard on a first name basis now? What? Because called Dame. Dame. That's Dame. his nickname, man. Come on, come on, yes. Come on, Bo. Yes. Uh, but anyway, you know, <laughs> you, you just don't expect them to to get absolutely slaughtered and manhandled. I know they don't have depth, but if there was ever a case to be made that Amir Johnson should be cut or made the fifteenth man on the bench or like made, turned into a uh, a quasi assistant coach slash player, I think. Uh, I think the last few games have kind of solidified that. Anyway, that was Sixers talk. Let's get back to the uh, the real. The <laughs> Let's lead. get it back to the Eagles. Matt Nahagian's calling it. Get it back to the birds. Get it back to the birds. I don't actually know yeah. how he sounds, but let's get it back. Spike, to the, Spike's yeah. getting in our ear now. Somebody's yeah. in our ear. I don't think get Spike does birds. that. I think he kind of lets his dudes do whatever. But Nahagian apparently was notorious for like making them get back to whatever. Spike lets his dudes go, kind of like Brett does, and then that leads to uh, a catastrophic performance. <laughs> I don't know, or it also leads to like Joe DeCamera apparently today said that. Uh, he thinks that the Eagles could trade Carson Wentz to uh, the Giants for Barkley, the sixth overall pick, and then something else. Don't let Bar- them go wild. If that's if that's the idea of letting your guys off the leash, I don't know if that's a good idea. I really Barkley. Don't. What did he say? It was it would Barkley, be Wentz the sixth for- overall pick, and something else for Carson Wentz. <laughs> now look. I love Carson Wentz. I don't think they should trade Carson Wentz. I think this whole thing is is insane. I think you know this comes back to the whole thing where good old uh, investor Jeff. Didn't have the guts to uh, to put it out onto Twitter himself. So we, out, so we have so, outed him as the person who. Yeah, who, I think I outed I put, him on the I, last show. Okay, because I put I I uh, he was talking about it in Slack. He's like, 
somebody needs he's like i don't want to do this hot take on twitter number one because people won't respond to me and number two because i don't have enough followers to get traction but can somebody else like test this for me like go out <laughs> go out and do like a proxy hot take or like a placebo hot take or something like which that. is dumb so, because if, if so, he had just tweeted it out himself we all could have retweeted it you have a sizable <laughs> following anthony has a sizable following obviously kyle does yeah. bob has a pretty good following i, I finally cracked a thousand like that's a pretty that's oh, a pretty big life all achievement right. here yeah you know 2018 so was a good year but, but like he, he didn't put it out, and then in the aftermath, if he's like, yeah. I was the one who said it first. I mean, this is kind of well, like yeah, the time that I, cre- that if I, it's that good, I wrote, he wants credit I the, for it. Yeah. When I wrote the the infamous uh, 2018 post of the year for Crossing Broad, which has oh. been voted on by the guys in Slack, uh, was the time I wrote a uh, we had it first post oh. that lived on the site for about I think five minutes. Uh, and <laughs> then was, it came down. And then was it came that, down. Was that voted the worst post? Of, it has uh, to be. Yeah. Well, can it can it be if it does if it was taken down? Like, doesn't it have to? Well, I don't know. I had two exist. posts taken down this year. I had that one, and I had the one where I uh, <laughs> uh, I said that Matt Clentak's tenure could be defined by the fact that he didn't try to figure out a way to get JD Martinez here in place of Carlos Santana. <laughs> oh, and, I remember that. And like that was an okay piece. Like I actually had logic and and numbers and yeah. reasoning behind it. And Kyle got really spooked because there were all kinds of comments on it, like, oh, you could have had J.D. Martinez. It's like, well, you could Whatever. So I had two posts taken down. I think that's the mm. most anybody's had all year, so that's really exciting. I will wear that crown with pride. Anyway, Jeff had no guts, yeah. wouldn't put it out there, and now I know for a fact that when he goes back and listens to the show, he's going to be punching at something, he's screaming, like, I told you cursing that, us out they, slack. that they should have done Wentz for Saquon Barkley four weeks ago. You know, yeah. If anybody would do that, though, it would be the Giants. You know, Pat, Pat Shermer. Yeah, let's bring in uh, well, Carson. Let's give away Saquon. I didn't want to entertain this, but like realistically, if if somebody blew your doors off with an offer for Carson Wentz, do you at least entertain the idea? I mean, I guess I I somebody made Does the it, point a is while. Is it based on if Nick takes you deep into the playoffs this year? I mean, like, what I if, guess. What if Foles gets I, you to the NFC Championship? I mean, it would look pretty foolish to. To move on from him, but I I don't know. I just I fall back on what I've said this whole time is that Carson last season when he was healthy would have been the NFL MVP. Like, is there any dispute of that? Would no. somebody else have have wanted if he if he had, you know, if he had uh, complete completed a full season healthy? No, I, I don't. Not, it's yeah. a good problem to have. I, I don't. I don't know what. Yeah, it's it's such a Philly sports thing to always do this like either or, you know. Yeah. Like it's if they lose a game, it's just because of this and not because of this. Like it's only one. There's only one answer to everything, you know. When literally the reason they won the Super Bowl last year because because they put time and money into the backup quarterback position. Yeah, you know, it's it's not sustainable moving forward. It just is what it is. But it happens in every sport. So I don't. I, I let me throw I, a stupid idea out there because I'm the master of stupid ideas. Okay. What if you're Jeffrey Lurie, right? And and you say, you know, I can't move on from from either of these guys. I need to have them both back. And and Howie Roseman looks at it and goes, well, he's going to get $20 million, or like $16 million or something on the open market, right? And Nick has said in the past that he doesn't want to go to a bad situation. Well, in, in theory, in free agency, like I think the Giants could do a lot worse than, than Nick Foles. Um, you're looking at teams across the league that are in need of quarterbacks that are going to have new coaches. Um, Vance Joseph was just fired by Denver. They're still a decent team. They've had two losing seasons. Maybe that's more on Vance Joseph than it is on the players don't know Marvin Lewis is now gone it's not like you're gonna uproot your team and and um get rid of uh oh my god what's his name Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback but like now that head coaching vacancy is there I don't know if if you're an owner maybe you start to think about 
you know, putting Nick Foles in place and, and maybe bringing in one of his former coaches to to lead the charge. I don't know. But if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, do you, do you work out a, a side deal? I know it's outside of the CBA. I know you're really not allowed to do it, but couldn't you uh, figure out a way to pay Nick Foles after the after his uh, his career is over? Couldn't you figure out a way to get him involved in the organization as a, as an advisor or give him some kind of advisory shares in the team? Like, could you theoretically divert some money to him in a in a different capacity when he's gone? I'm not saying like an official ownership stake in the team. I think that's against the CBA now. But couldn't you work out a side deal? Like, if Nick looks at the market and says, none of these options are really that great right now. None of the teams that are going to throw a lot of money at me are a good situation. And I don't want to find myself rotting away, you know, in a, in a I don't know, a Jacksonville Jaguar situation or something like that. Like, is there a small possibility that they could figure this thing out, come up with a side deal and like have both guys back next year? Or, or does that just kind of undercut Carson once again? Uh, side deal. I mean, I don't know. They just, they, everybody, they already sent Baxter. Watch it. Sorry. My dog is stepping on the microphone right now. Um, I mean, they yeah, already Baxter restructured. Yeah. Put the mic up. Sniffing around. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, they already restructured like everybody to kind of like fit, fit everything into the cap this year. Like they have problems moving forward. You know, mm-hmm. you know Carson is owed. What the hell is his cap hit next year? It's something like, it's something like eight hundred thousand. Is that what the base salary is? Um, with what the cap, but the cap hit is like uh, with the signing and the roster bonus. I want to say his cap hits like eight million dollars. I think it goes up from like seven million to eight million dollars, and then that's last year. So you gotta sign him to a long term thing. He hits, uh, you know, else he's an un- unrestricted free agent you know yeah so i i don't I, I don't think they have enough wiggle room as it is anyway but I, it is what it is man i mean the, the one thing i think somebody made the point that kurt warner's career really didn't take off until nick the age that nick Foles is right now mm-hmm. uh, and it's pretty clear that you know nick you know nick has played for some other coaches some other teams where he has certainly has not been as good as playing with doug peterson so I don't know, man. If they go out and lose to the Bears next week, it's not a it's not an argument. But I you know, you traded all this stuff for Carson Wentz. I mean, he's he certainly even when he was injured this year, he certainly did not have a bad year. Is anybody out here saying that Carson Wentz played poorly this year? I think people said that fundamentally he wasn't as crisp as, as you would expect. He yeah, wasn't planting, yeah, the he was, planting he was relying, and the rotating and stuff yeah. like that. I guess, yeah, I don't know. But then if you're if the guy's got a cracked back and he's coming off an ACL, you never know what the hell is due to, to, to whatever anyway. so. But see, this is uh, where I think people are right to question why the team didn't just put him on IR because now you know that from week to week, people are going to be questioning whether or not he's going to come back in and you almost have quarter quarterback controversy on your hands. Now I get that the idea here could be you're going to ride with Nick as long as you can. And if God forbid something happened to him, you make you make sure that Carson is active. Like, I, I can't imagine he's going to be active in round one against the Bears, right? They said it's a three-month injury. You would think that, if anything, maybe if they were to advance another round, maybe Carson ends up suiting up as an emergency QB. Maybe. But then at that point, that kind of almost feels like a wasted roster spot, doesn't well, it? Well, if like you if dress you... him as a, I mean, if you dress him as a backup, then it just reignites all the same shit that everybody's been talking about on the radio for the last three weeks. Anyway, people are yeah, going to say, saying, "Well, if he's health, like, healthy enough to be a backup," and yeah, but can you afford to not have him there? Like, say, 
say they go in against Chicago. I'm, I'm uh, let, like, let's go past Chicago. Let's say they get to the next round, which is you no. Know, let's not go which past is Chicago. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying. Barely just snuck I, well, into the Listen, I'm just saying. Yesterday. I'm saying in theory. Okay. <laughs> now we're talking about if they say, go to if they go to if they beat Chicago. Look, they're gonna they go, go to the Super Bowl. Bowl Bo, they're they gonna have they a matchup. Sign, they, it's a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Two. Oh my god. Now, but but hold on. So just in theory, like if you get past Chicago, right? And then let's say let's say like they they medically deem Carson not fit to play this week. Like he can't even back up. He he can't even. He should not take the field. Mm-hmm. Say something changes within a week. You get to the next round of the playoffs. And something happens to Nick Foles. He gets hurt. And you could have dressed Carson once, but you didn't. And now your playoff chances going forward rely on Nate Sudfeld for that game. Is that, an, is that a, a risk you can take as an organization? No, I would no, argue I, it's not. Like I, I think as soon as you no. deem Carson potentially healthy enough in an emergency situation then you dress him no you but. put the two best you, you put the two best quarterbacks on your roster uh, you dress him for game day Nick Foles is the starter Carson Wentz is the backup and if you have to deal with you know D- Jim Bob from Torresdale calling into the radio to complain about it then that's the worst the worst thing you have to Jim deal Bob. with that's not so big because they don't give a shit anyway you know yeah. it's just something for us to talk about but it, you know whatever however anybody may feel about it internally or externally Nick Foles is a starting quarterback. Carson Wentz is the backup quarterback going forward. If that's feasible, is the way to do it. You know. Yeah. I I just don't see I don't see why you why you wouldn't you know. Otherwise, that would say that they're just worried about things that are a nothing. You know. Yeah. But I don't I don't I mean. Let's just get let's get there first. You know, <laughs> I can't see I can't I can't see the the Eagles, the, the Eagles and the Bears is such a like weird. You know, you know, it kind of reminds me though the Bears this year kind of remind me a little bit of what the Rams were last year, where they had a lot of kind of hype coming into the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if they were too hyped, but they had a home game. Uh, they've had some really good players on the team, and but they just had no no experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this Bears team, you know, the Eagle, they don't have. Are, are you afraid of Mitch Trubisky? No, throwing on the Eagles. Are you afraid of? They're running backs running on the Eagles. Not really. So what are we? If what are, should Eagles fans be afraid? Just their, their, defense, their defense is basically it. Their so this game is going to be. Mean, so always, it's going to be about this in the, ten in the to seven. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you always talk in the postseason about the importance of defense. Now, Trubisky, after watching him yesterday and rooting for him, I could see why Chicago fans might be uh, frustrated. To put it the to put it in the lightest terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he missed a few very open, very easy to execute screen passes um in the fourth like late in the fourth quarter, I think like seven or eight minutes left. Yeah. Um but then would go out and make a, a beautiful sideline throw to his receiver, get him open in, in the perfect spot, and you would say, like, how can you make that that massively complicated throw, but you know, screw mm-hmm. up a, a screen pass. Yeah. There there's not a whole lot that scares me. I do think that Cohen and Howard have the ability as as change of pace backs to to give the Eagles some some issue, you're going to have to obviously respect the play action game. Um, I, I think like there's that bit of this to be concerned about. Chicago also had a few guys injured, including like Allen Robinson, who might be back for the first round matchup. So, yeah. you know, if you were yeah, watching Kevin that White Chicago game on yeah. on a Reddit stream like I was, wink, wink, uh, maybe allegedly, I don't know if it was illegal. So let's just say I might have I may have been taking in the stream somewhere anyway. Um, when you look at it, if if you were watching that game yesterday, like that wasn't the Chicago Bears at full health, and so you know, I think if if you were a Bears fan watching that Eagles game, you know you you might be worried because you're going up against the defending Super Bowl champions. But then at the same time, like it's not like the Eagles had anybody scratched last minute. I think what you saw from the Eagles against the Redskins 
was alarming, I think, in the first half because they put up so few points after being so dominant. But then, you know, at the end of the day, the the Eagles defense, which has been absolutely decimated by injuries this year, went up against a terrible offense, admittedly, run yeah. by, as I said, the reincarnation of Jason Campbell. And, you know, they shut them out. They First shutout the of 90, the season, right? What was so, it, 90-something yards, 97, 98, yeah, it was something like, like that? Yeah, that, yeah. That, was, that was brutal to watch. And, and quite yeah. honestly, I don't think many fans were really paying attention to the Eagles game in the third quarter. I think everybody was trying to figure out how to go and watch the, uh, the Minnesota-Chicago game. I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. they did a shitty job on the broadcast last night of just not showing enough, like, like footage from the Minnesota game. I know, know during that the Eagles game, like they were they were they were talking about um, Myers and Johnson were talking about like the significance of the game. They're saying, "Well, the Eagles need this to happen, and the Vikings and the Bears, blah blah." blah. But they showed like so little f- footage from it, and they just didn't like do a great job of tying it all together and and selling the drama and making it interesting i mean you know you only had how many games yesterday on week 17 that had playoff implications you know there were only three going on at the same time yeah yeah so they as a crew could have got thrown on the the jets and whoever the hell they played yesterday or they could have got like the miami buffalo game or something you know which which means nothing but they were just sort of like going through the motions like it was just another just another game for them you know so i was sort of sitting there you know, trying to trying to watch it off to the side, and then reading reading your guys' reactions on Slack and looking on Twitter and whatnot, and that's where I got my excitement from. I feel like the broadcast they kind of they kind of blew it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the rights deals are. So when when Fox goes and um, you know, obviously the Eagles game wasn't the game of the week. That was the uh, the Minnesota Chicago game. Like, I don't know what the rules are that Fox has in place with these different markets. It's all but, like, regional but, horseshit. But, yeah. Yeah. Cause to me, what, what the real play would have been here. Cause in New York, they cut out of it. Like, in New York, they cut out of the game after, Oh really? Uh, was it Al? Was it Alshon's touchdown? I think they kind of put it, put yeah. it out of the way. Yeah. So yeah. after that, they cut out in New York and they went to, to Minnesota, to, Chicago. To, to me, what you do in that situation is you almost go red zone style. Double, like, double who, box. Yeah, double box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No There's God, no reason yeah. not to, or yeah, at yeah. least in yeah. a, in a bottom corner of the screen. Yeah. Put the Chicago Minnesota game because you know that everybody in the Philadelphia market cares what happens in that other game. Yeah, you can do like what you call. Especially a... when Nate Sudfeld came into the game. No offense to Nate Sudfeld, who by the way, that was one of the funnier moments when uh, Aguilar caught <laughs> when the touchdown, the gave, back, gave huh? the ball yeah. to the fan, and then Sudfeld's like, "Dude, dude, it's my first touchdown." Did he go kid. after? Well, did he? So they gave the kid, they gave the little kid another ball. But yeah. Like, did Sudfeld so. go over and say anything to him? They should have at least yeah, like the, signed Sudfeld it. Sudfeld went over to the kid. But yeah, like, he, do well, we know after the game if he went over and did anything? I don't know. Okay. I would have to think that the, the Eagles would like be smart enough PR-wise to be like, you know what, we're going <laughs> to pull this kid and his family worship. and like, let's, know. you know, let's do know. something. Let's do a picture. This let's get him you... a couple of his favorite players, whatever. Like, give the kid a, a moment that'll last. Yeah, I mean, throw him he some, did get on TV. Something. Remember, there, there was a cutaway where yeah. they showed him holding the ball and all that. So he yeah. got his, he got his like 15 seconds of fame, but yeah. Well, you do like a, you do like what what we call in the industry like you know you have different kinds of boxes. So you have like a like a straight double box is like when you are watching red zone right, and they just split you know the same size box on either side of the screen right. It's just divided yeah. right down the middle. You have what's called a, a two by one, which is where you have the bigger box sort of in the foreground, and then you have a smaller one in the like the top. We usually put it in the top corner or something like that. Like what so, happens on national telecasts when you have a, a coaching cutaway, like in the NBA. Uh, yeah, right. Like or like in the news business, we would use a two by one to be like, uh, you know, if we had like the the um, say if Governor uh, 
here's a good example. Say like Governor Wolf is speaking in front of City Hall because there's like 40 feet of snow or something and we're in a snow emergency or something, right? And then you have like a video of, you know, the of PennDOT filling the trucks with salt and doing whatever they have to do. So you put like the 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 big video, you put the you you pick one of those to put in the foreground like what Governor Wolf is saying and then you have like your salt trucks and your plows and all your other bullshit we call it b-roll in, in the industry b-roll is just like video just like pa- paper video that you talk over you know so it's all your like bs like chopper video or like just ground level stuff whatever the hell is going on but you can do you could have done that with the eagles you could have put them in the foreground in the in the, the two box and then in the buy one you could have done something else there but it just seemed like there was like a disconnect between how they were what they were talking about in the broadcast and how it was produced and how it was directed you know mm-hmm those things kind of bother me as a former TV person. I don't know why, because if we could figure it out in, in local television in in Philadelphia, which is kind of dead anyway, then surely like Fox nationally could at least add some some kind of flair, some kind of interest to it, you know. Well, on a positive note, it's good that you uh, you know how to do that because you, you went and took a job at CBS three when apparently, as you revealed on Twitter, you had an opportunity to go to work at ESPN at some point, <laughs> and you uh, you had some real. Uh, <laughs> Moral high ground that you decided to stand on. Yeah, it was a pretty dumbass, dumbass decision at the end. What of was the, that job? They, um, so it was like 2009. I I um, had just told Channel Three that I would come home and work for them. I was working in Atlanta at the time, so I told Channel Three, "I'm like, yeah, I'll come work for you guys, be a producer." And I had applied for another job at ESPN. It was like a statistician job, working in the stats department, like doing numbers for them. Um, but And so I took the job at Channel 3, and I was driving somewhere. I was in like Charlotte, North Carolina. I must have been driving back to West Virginia. And uh, I got a call, and they were this person. I'm like, Connecticut area code? Who the fuck is calling me from Connecticut? And I pick up the phone. It's ESPN. I'm like, hi, we'd like to talk to you about this job. And I was like, shit. Because uh, I had already like told Channel Three, like I was, I you know, I gave them my Nemanja Bialica. I gave them my verbal that I was coming. You know, um, I give them my word. What good am I if my word is not good? And ESPN, this was just like if it was the very first phone call, so there was like no guarantee that like anything would have happened from it. You know, it wasn't like we will give you this job right now. It wasn't like a Manny Diaz situation. It was not like we will give you this job right now if you renege on the thing that you just committed to. You know, so. Maybe at the end of the day, I should have said, yeah, let's talk about it. But, you know, here I am with you at Crossing Broad now. So Wow, that's not a step down from ESPN at all. <laughs> if anything, some would argue that this is a real privilege and a joy. <laughs> all right, that joke is in. There we go. So listen, let us uh, let me do some X's and O's shit here. Um, yes. The reason why the Eagles are where they are now is because the, the, the front four on the defensive line you can say whatever you want to say about Nick Foles, and I'm not disregarding that. But the, the defense was shit even when Carson Wentz was playing. So why did why did the defense change when Nick Foles came back? You could sit here and say, well, they spend less time on the field because Nick Foles is scoring points and moving the team down the field. But Carson Wentz was also moving the team. They had some long, longish drives there too. They were a, still a top five time of possession team when Carson was in. Uh, when Carson was playing, yeah, they had a couple more three and outs and some bad turnovers here or there, but there was nothing different to suggest that the defense was was on the field uh, any more than the other team. And if they're playing from behind or playing from ahead, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're, the the disparity between those leads wasn't so much to say that they would totally change what they were doing. But last night, Adrian Peterson, four carries for zero yards. Uh, Chris Thompson, two carries for 10 yards. Uh, Samaje Pirine, three carries for seven yards so Washington went for 21 yards on 12 carries 
<laughs> which is like 1.7 or 1.8 or something like that per carry. Uh, in the Houston game, uh, Lamar Miller obviously was not playing. So Alfred Blue was like four for 14 yards. Uh, Dante Foreman somehow carried the ball seven times for negative one yard. I don't know how that's possible. Um, and it was just Deshaun Watson running the ball eight times for like like. 45, 50 yards, whatever he had. Uh, and in the Rams game, Todd Gurley, 48 yards on 12 carries, I think. Uh, so in the last three games, which is their three wins, their three-game winning streak, teams haven't been able to run the ball on them at all. And then you look at what the defense is doing with the pass rush and just their four-man base rush. They haven't had to blitz at all because Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett and those guys are just gangbusters right now. So if you take that and then you look at what Chicago, what they did to Chicago last year, I know it doesn't – it doesn't really matter because Trubisky was a rookie last year, and that Chicago team didn't really have anybody to – no receivers last year. Like Dontrell Inman was, and Kendall Wright were catching passes for them. But yep. Jordan Howard ran the ball seven times for six yards in that game, and Tariq Cohen had two carries for negative 11 yards against the Eagles. So you like your chances with the Eagles' defense now kind of limiting them on the ground going into next week? Yeah. That's what it has yeah, to be, man. I mean, they, I mean they've been so good – with run defense that they fit they ended up finishing seventh this year. What were they number one or number two number last year? They year. were number one. Okay. So Chicago's your number one rushing defense in the NFL, eighty yards per game. Uh the Eagles finished number seven, uh, with ninety six point nine. So I don't think any team's gonna be able to run do much of any any running uh next week. Um maybe Darren Sproles you can get him some some shifty kind of stuff here and there, some screens, that wheel route, whatever. Um but that's that's why that's why the Eagles have just have just been have been playing lights out the last couple of weeks. Whatever you want to say about Nick Foles and the offense, and that's a whole other kind of discussion. But the, something about the defense just just totally changed over the last the last couple of weeks. Yep. And that'll do it for this podcast. <laughs> we'll see I don't know. I don't know what time. else to say. I mean, look. I, but why I, did, know, why didn't we didn't so the question is what like. Where was that all season long? Because they have less. They have less personnel. I mean, Bennett, Cox, uh, Brandon Graham. Who 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 is who is new on the line? I mean, Barnett, Derek Barnett went on IR. So Jernigan's been in so and out. Jernigan's been in and out. I mean, but but the 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 top two of Bennett and Cox has been there all year long. Yep. Haloti not is just sort of a sort of a guy. Just a body. Trayvon Hester's looked okay the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to. Th- I don't know what what changed or what's different. They're just getting pressure on the quarterback with a with you a four man rush. You know. I think it's just the reality that they had a chance to make the po- the playoffs. Like it's I, I just think a philosophical. It's, a, it's just yeah, an intangible thing. Remember earlier in the season, uh, I'm trying to think of. I think it was Fletcher Cox. No, it, it was it was Cox and Jenkins. Jenkins had said that they that he didn't think that the team had come in with the same kind of fight. I might be confusing Jenkins. Yes, no, no, no. Jenkins, Jenkins said, came in and said that we don't have the same de, uh, demeanor. The same fire. It was yeah. demeanor the word he used. It might have been. And then, and then Cox, Cox was said the one who refuted it. it right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that there's a, there was a lack of urgency, and it was a thing that we had we'd kind of expected, I think in a sense that there could have been a Super Bowl hangover. And I think as you saw the team kind of like meddling all, all season around 500 and really taking their lumps in a few games, I think a lot of these guys were mentally checked out and I can't really blame them. Right. Like we, we had said yeah. all, all off season, you know, it didn't feel like going into the season, there was quite that, that same level of hunger. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the second that, and, and this is where I come back to, I know it's a stupid conversation and I don't necessarily like that. It is one, 
But I do wonder what it is about Nick Foles that this team rallies around so much. Like, it, it's not a coincidence that the team started playing better and playing harder with Foles there. Is that because he came back in and the team just kind of rallied around the idea that, you know what, last year happened in L.A. It was the he same came shit. In, yeah, that's all and, it was. And, like, and like now really nobody's going to give us a chance, and like now we're going to go back it's and we're going to prove under, everybody wrong it's again. It's the underdog. Like, it's the, the, the it's, back against the wall, the disrespect, the same kind of basic stuff that, we, that, that I had – that I like I wrote a column about this on the very first day of the season. Like I think the name of it was like it's time for us to evolve as Philadelphia sports fans and it's time for this Eagles team to kind of like motivate themselves in a different way. And people kind of like crapped on it because they're like, well, they're the underdogs, they're the underdogs. I'm like when you're the Super Bowl cha- defending Super Bowl champion, you're not the fucking underdog. Yeah. Okay, so like we have already established this that this team is able to motivate itself when their back is against the wall, when they feel disrespected, blah blah blah. Okay, that's that's entry level. That is the most basic way to motivate yourself. Your opponent and everybody else thinks that you're not good enough. I'm going to show them that I am good enough. Okay? We graduated beyond that. You know mm-hmm. what is next? Okay, so Roger Federer when he won his first four grand slams, nobody was sitting there saying, well, Roger Federer has something, you know, has to prove something to me. Roger Federer already proved that he was the best in the world. So how do you continue that? How do you stay at that next level? How do you do, how do you win your fifth, sixth and seventh, um, majors? You know, if you are the new England Patriots, how do you win super bowls two, three, and four? You know, so if anything, the Eagles, like, like, let's, let's not, let's, let's frame this correctly. The Eagles are the defending super bowl champions. Okay, you can say whatever you want about the injuries, but they had multiple injuries last year too, okay? And we always rip the Cowboys fans for saying, well, we didn't have Sean Lee, you know? So nobody's – you can't use that excuse this year because Eagles fans didn't use that excuse last year with the next man up thing, and they won the Super Bowl yep. with it. So so to me, it's just – it's nice to see that where they are, and obviously they can still motivate themselves based off of that thing, but this was supposed to be the next level. You know, you're supposed to take this to the next the next thing where it was – we don't have to prove anything to anybody. We just have to sustain what we were doing last year. You know, we, yeah. we have to reach a different a different level a different level of being. I don't have any other way to explain it. Like it's just something that bugs me. Like you're supposed to kind of evolve into a different kind of like last year last year it was like, we know we're good, but you don't think we're good. We're gonna prove it. Now this year it's like we know we're good and you also know we're good. So how do we stay, you know, in this, this upper echelon and how do we continue to put in top notch performances week in and week out? They, they were unable to do that, you know? Yeah. Nick, I mean, Nick I, Foles started the first two games of the season, right? So, what, what, so, what, what, and they, and he looked utterly average and utterly, uh, utterly mediocre in those games. So I don't, I don't know. So again, that would point to what you just said, Russ, where it's like the difference, the difference is that, when he came in at the end of the season, it was back to the underdogs thing again. You know what, though? I, th- I think there's part of this, too, that is I think a lot of guys on the offense, at least, were motivated to, to show themselves, to prove themselves, because and I, I don't want to cause the rift here. And I know that that it does exist and there are people who have seen it. But like, you know, Zach Ertz breaks the all time single season um, receptions record for tight ends. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get super hyped about it, but then you, you realize that a lot of that was Carson Wentz forcing the ball underneath to Zach Ertz throughout the season and not necessarily looking to pop the top off of defense, right? Mm-hmm. And a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who I've advocated for two years now to get more involved in the offense, simply wasn't being utilized. And and I don't think it was just a, a, you know, a miracle yeah, or yeah, some yeah. kind of divine intervention that led to Alshon Jeffrey getting open. I think it's just, you know, 
Nick Foles really does look for Alshon Jeffrey. And, and, you know, maybe not to the extent that Carson Wentz looks for Zach Ertz. But, like, to me, Alshon is a reliable guy. But it's He's not, a number one but, right but receiver really not, in this league. But it's really not, it's really not that, that, that I don't think it's that Nick specifically looks for Alshon more. I, I, don't, I don't think it's that Carson doesn't look for Alshon. I think it's that Nick, Nick trusts Alshon to go up more. and make a contested catch. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I think it's because he he trusts his skill set that he's going to win a jump ball or 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 do some fifty fifty kind of things. Because I mean, we all know that Alshon's not a speed burner, right? But he's got a great yeah. catch radius, and he's he has one of the best. You know, on that NFL Next Gen stats page, he like at every the the two years that they've had him, they logged this statistic, which is like. Uh, catch radius, not catch radius. What the fuck is it called? I can't remember. Um, it's something that shows how how close the, a receiver was to you when you caught the ball, right? Like tight okay. win, tight windows or something like that. And Alshon was like consistently in the top top five in the NFL as guys who who caught passes with guys like very close to them in coverage. Um, I think Nick just. I don't think it's that Carson like is against throwing the ball to Alshon Jeffrey. I think Nick understands the concept of allowing your guy to go up and make a play. You know, I think those things are mutually exclusive, you know? Yeah. Whereas Carson, Carson knows his bread and butter is with Zach Ertz and that he'll, he can hit him in that mesh, that, that seam, that, that little slot every single time. I think Nick knows that also, but I think Nick is just more, more trustworthy of what his, his guy can go do for him, you know? Nick's also not a young quarterback. Like, what's the one thing when you're going mm-hmm. up against a rookie or a second-year quarterback? The scouting report is always he's going to look for his tight end underneath, right? It, it's not like it was just a Tony Romo thing Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. Jason Witten. It's a thing that you constantly look for. I mean, it's part of why, I think to some extent, why Chicago went out to try to get, you know, Trey Burton was to try to give Mitch Trubisky a, a, a better option underneath. And when you look at it now, it's, you know, Carson... It's not like Carson's a, a ten-year pro, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think when you look at that, you say, "All right, you know, logically, it it makes sense that Carson might want to rely on this guy, knowing that he's not able to plant the way that he would if he were fully healthy, and and maybe get quite as much oomph on that deep ball, so that he doesn't underthrow or he doesn't lob it up too far." Um, I I don't know. I think it it makes sense that he would look for those underneath routes, and knowing that he has a reliable you know tight end there and in, in Ertz, it makes sense, but it really isn't the best thing for the offense. And so I yeah. think like, you know, that that's why I think this is an easier case to make right now if if you're a Cars or a, a Nick Foles truther is to say, well, look at how much better and how much like how much better the the ball is being spread around and look how much better Nick Foles looks on these deep balls than Carson Wentz did, mm-hmm. but it's really not that fair because Wentz isn't healthy. The counter the, to that obviously is if he wasn't healthy enough to plant the way that he's supposed to and if he's not fundamentally sound and mechanically sound like he's supposed to be, then is it on the team for rushing him back or on the team for taking him at his word when when clearly there have been enough people who have pointed out the mechanical issues that he has kind of indicates that he might not have been back to full health. Like, to me, I, I, I know that I said in the beginning of the season, I figured that Nick Foles was going to maybe start the first four games of the season to buy some extra time to get Wentz fully healthy. Mm-hmm. And maybe the fact is Wentz wasn't going to be fully healthy at all this year. He made a, a an incredible recovery yeah. to come back when he did in their third game of the season, and and that's excellent. That's great. And, like, kudos to him for working so hard to get back. But ultimately, if Carson Wentz at 70% isn't giving you what you need the way that 100% Nick Foles can, then I, I don't know what to tell you, but I do think a lot of these guys are motivated to make the most of their opportunities. The one guy who I think has been a disappointment 
continues to be Golden Tate, who dropped a couple first down passes yesterday. And, and quite frankly, he was a guy that I expected them to utilize better and to utilize in a, in a, a myriad of ways. Well, that ended up and being it, redundant. And it, yeah. and it, it just hasn't happened. Yeah. I got two things. Um, number one, the Alshon Jeffrey thing. The statistic is uh, is SEP, separation. Right, so it's basically the the average distance of the the closest defender to you at the time of a catch or an incompletion. And last year, 2017, Alshon was number one in the NFL uh, with the lo- with the lowest SCP number in the entire league, only 1.8 yards uh, on average among among all pass catchers in the NFL. That was number one. So he was catching balls or having balls thrown to him in tighter windows than anybody else in the entire league. Uh, for example, um, Mike Evans was the third with a two-yard total. Um, DeAndre Hopkins had a 2.1. So those are like you think of those guys as like possession receivers, you know, bigger guys who can go up and get the ball, you know, when you just yep. chuck it up there. And down at the bottom end of the, spe- the spectrum, like the SEP numbers where you get into like the threes and fours and stuff like that, you have like Tyreek Hill, Ted Ginn, uh, Humphreys, the slot receiver at Tampa Bay. Those guys are like 3.4, 3.7. 3.5. Alshon's number is actually up this year. It's up to 2.5, so he is finding himself more open. But that's still like in the top. That's still in the in the lower the lower region of people who are catching passes. And I think that's because Nick just like I said just trusts him to go up and get the ball. It's the same way you throw to DeAndre Hopkins. It's the same way you throw to Mike Evans. You know, because yep. you know those guys are tall. They got good hands. They're going to go up and make something happen. And uh, if you throw an interception, whatever the hell, you know, I mean, it's a chance worth taking. Uh, second point. Anybody who's ever played sports at any level, uh, like I know we like to laugh and say, well, you didn't play in the NFL. Uh, what the hell do you know about sports? You know, blah, blah, blah. And there's the one guy who, who suggested taking classes for the media or something like that, which I actually thought, thought was kind of an interesting idea. Um, but, and I told the story on, on the soccer podcast, but I, I had a sports hernia last year. I'm sorry, and which soccer podcast? It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Because don't forget, Kevin, there's two soccer podcasts. <laughs> Don't tell the comments. Uh, I always wonder that. the people who listen to these shows if they read the uh, comments on articles and posts as, as much as we do. I mean, we have to. Well, I have to just get just the, the down, racist but... and anti-Semitic stuff out of there. So yeah, I guess we are kind of forced to. I mm-hmm. still don't know what drives people to do that, but whatever. Here we are. Yeah, um, we'll continue to leak them. But... Anybody who's had any kind of injury at any level of you can play in your like flag football league on Sundays or whatever like that. If you have like a turned ankle or something like you know you're just you just are not the same player. I mean, I think people in the NFL kind of like underestimate. I think I think fans kind of underestimate the idea that a lot of guys play through shit every week. You know, it's mm-hmm. just different degrees of shit. You know, injuries are not like you're it, are not like an either or thing. It's not like you're in or you're out. Everybody is playing through something all the time. And like I, I felt like shit playing with that sports hernia last year it didn't keep me from playing, but I didn't feel like I could do certain things. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I could drive the ball down the field. I didn't feel like I could like cut and like like pivot how I usually do. Um, but I could still play defense, you know. So for Carson Wentz, I don't have any, you know. Obviously, he'd be able to throw ten yards to Zach Ertz every time out. But maybe he wasn't throwing outside the hash marks because, you know, the back injury maybe that that hurt his like full rotation going left and right. You know, maybe that's why he wasn't throwing down the field as much. I don't know, but I just I just want people to think about that more often when you think about injuries. Like it's not. The, the the varying degrees of things. It's not like you're good or you're not good. Like there's always a varying degree of like shit that somebody is playing through, especially in a, especially in the National Football League. I love the National where men football play. League. Well, let me ask you a question. Why do um, 
why do NFL types always emphasize national football? Like, why do they always say the National Football League? But, That's but nobody my... ever nobody ever says like you know you only get that kind of play in the National Basketball Association. Like, do people say it about so hockey? That's they, yeah. They well, sort of. So this is one of my wife's, I think, biggest uh, pet peeves about sports. Is she brings this same argument up all the time? Um, it happens a lot with hockey. They'll say that's a good hockey play, or you'll you'll actually hear it. Like, think about it. In NFL games, there are times where like that's a good football move, right? But there. people don't come like, in. Somebody's breaking but, down. But, like Gruden used to come on on his like QB cam. I'll tell you what, man. That's a that's a real good football move there, man. It's like, but people right, don't well, say like Doc it's Doc well. Emmerich isn't saying they're saying like. You're only you can't do that in the National Hockey League, like like saying it to, like in a it's in a, it's in a way that's like kind of saying like this is the best of the best and like you're doing some Canadian football National shit or Hockey something. League. No, you know what I mean it's right. like meant to say it and like this to give this give sometimes, it like this fake like esteem or something. You know, sometimes the studio guys do like guys like Mike, Mike Milbury will sometimes do it. Oh, I remember back in the and then you know in my days the National Hockey League blah 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 blah. You can't like, be turning pucks over in your own zone in the National Hockey League. It happens. Like, do sometimes. people say that shit? Sometimes. Okay. But like, if you think about it, like MLB, it doesn't really get said much. I think hockey and football are the two biggest um, abusers of of the term. Yeah, I think it's the funniest in in the NFL because what other football leagues are there? Like the co- they well, use it, they of, use it to say like to Jaws, draw the difference between the guys evolving from the college game to playing in the pros. I get it, but it just sounds like such a corny like. Well, yeah, like I think of people like Jaws. When I think of it, like Jaws would always be on the radio saying, "In the National Football League, yeah, it's, like, it's like if you're going to play quarterback right, dude, thanks, in the man, National like, Football League, or play golf, or play golf league, at one of like, my twelve like, courses that I own, or in the in the. Uh, the Arena Football League, which I think is still in existence with four teams. Yeah, it's the last pretty time sad, I checked. But, uh, speaking of but speaking yeah. of guys who say, uh, you know, who use NFL cliches, how about uh, Philly guy Mike Mayock taking the yeah, Oakland man. Raiders general manager job, job? Where I don't yeah. think he's going to have any decision making power under John Gruden, right? Are we kind of in agreement on that? That that Gruden's calling all the shots out there anyway. Yeah, that that this to me is is Brett Brown and Elton Brand. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's like, a good point. Is yeah. anybody actually going to think that Mike Mayock would, under any circumstances, fire John Gruden? No. <laughs> Gruden has, um, what's his name, Mark Davis's ear to the max. But Mayock, he's, he's, Mayock, Mayock he's, might he's gonna draft He's going to have whatever a, he wants. Mayock's just there. He might draft a football guy with a high motor who gets the, <laughs> the right pad level. In the National Football League. <laughs> but think about it. It's I actually love, not, you know a bad, it's I not a bad... I want nothing more... I want I want the Raiders or somebody affiliated with the Raiders to put out a subscription service. The London Raiders. That I want them to put out a uh, like a streaming package for the draft of their war room. Now it can be on a three minute <laughs> delay, just so that it doesn't it doesn't reveal any of the uh, the potential deals that could be going down for them. Yeah. So it doesn't like totally you know screw them over in in, in those terms, but. I want to hear, or even after the fact, like give us the the raw, unedited footage of the war room, like a week after that the draft. That would be great, yeah, yeah. And just have like Mayock saying, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. You could put you know. put and Peter just back there. I'm telling you, man, this guy, he's gonna run X Y Z banana, man. We're gonna yeah, find him deep. Y every banana. time he's like, well, well, but you know what? I remember when he was playing at a uh, uh, Texas Christian Community College East. Out in the Ohio, yeah, and they were playing a three-four base defense out there, and he was a really good bandit safety man. I, I'm talking, I'm trying to talk like Gruden here, but I'm love being the bandits, man. man. Lo- 
love the bandits, man. They, um, bandits are great, man. It's it's really interesting to me because the, like theoretically, if Gruden is gonna make the decisions anyway, then what would you look for in a general manager? Just like an information cruncher, just somebody who can digest. 45 hours of film every week and kind of parse it all and, and deliver it to you, you know? Um, and if you're asking me who's the best at that, I mean, Mike Mayock is the best at that, you know, now who's, now who's their <laughs> salary, who's their like salary cap guy and who's doing all the numbers and stuff like that. I mean, surely that I'm would be something to imagine, different. Like, what if, uh, what if Jacksonville, or no, it would have to be somebody ridiculous. Like Cincinnati goes, they hire whoever they want. They replace their GM and they hire Mel Kiper. Like that would be incredible. Would anything surprise see, like, you? Mayock, like the Browns. Mayock... The Browns look at this and the Browns go, you know what? We respect the Raiders. We like what the Raiders do. Yes, Mel Kiper. That can be our new GM. So let me that ask you. Sense. So let me ask you this: Why? Why do I feel like like hiring Mike Mayock to be your GM feels just so much more like? Um, legitimate than Mel Kuyper is it because Mayock actually played college football and had like one had like a year and a half in the NFL because he basically played the color commentary on the Eagles television network and he did do some stuff with um I think Mayock just looks he he looks more (laughs) he looks more like a guy who would have a job in the National Football League (laughs) like Mel Kuyper's hair I think is the thing that he does feel like more he feels like more of a a football guy, whereas Kuiper feels like more of a, a TV he guy. He feels like a TV guy. Even though they both like, kind of do the same damn thing, right? McShay feels like a guy who would kind of get his uh, his start kind of in a Howie Roseman role. You know, he, he starts at the bottom, <laughs> he works true. his way up to like an assistant GM. Yeah. Like, that's the guy that, that McShay comes yeah, off yeah, as. Yeah. Mayock strikes you as the guy who like has the playing experience, mm-hmm. who's like kind of worked his way, you know, yeah, people yeah, yeah, scouting, yeah. like all that. And I think he has a little bit more... I think he has a little bit more credibility insofar as, like, I think if you looked at Mayock and you said, like, yeah, this guy scouts, you would believe that. Kuiper, you would just, I don't know. I'm just trying to picture what Mel Kuiper yeah. would look like without the TV makeup. Like, just walking. Mm. Like, does he wear jeans? Does he show up to, like, Senior Bowl in, in like, jeans and a hoodie? Or does he, like, go full suit, have the hair slicked back with, like, three uh That's such you know, a great gig, isn't it, man? It's like, of, you, like only, you only really have, you know, you, you spend your whole year just kind of building up to one month. Where and you don't your have to be right. All of, oh, I know, I know. Isn't that the thing? You just like, have to give your opinion. It's, it's always like that to me yeah. is the funny thing. Yeah. You know, I think the last couple of years that that I've watched the draft, I've gone over to the Mayock side because, I mean, because nobody gives a McShay, shit about your big McShay big board whether you were right or wrong, right? I mean, they're not they're yeah, not like they're if, not sitting here saying remember, I predict this is what's going to happen. This is just it's just how I rate each of these guys and what I think is the best fit. I don't do people like tweet at Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and say you were wrong about uh i don't know earl thomas yeah or brandon Graham, Brand- Brand- they, they, they don't they're yeah, absolved remember, from that, that. Was, they're not sharing opinions that was mcshay i think that was mcshay was the one who screwed that up were they or no uh, but they're not but, but whether the somebody at the draft or was it no it was Schefter. i think that was the one that that did the uh they did the cutaway to him and said like the eagles are are now going to draft earl thomas after trading up blah 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 oh, whoa, 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 whoa. and then the brandon graham thing well that's down, like totally that's a totally yeah, different thing yeah. no 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 I'm just thinking, like, I feel like the McShay, if you remember, early on when McShay was brought in by ESPN, there was a little bit of a rivalry that had kind of spawned between he and Kuiper, yeah. and then they got, like, a little bit too friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that kind of killed it, but I think that was right around the time, or maybe a little bit before ESPN went all in on debate, and, like, all in on the Stephen A. Smith and, like, Skip Bayless model, mm-hmm. where, like, there was this little bit of, you couldn't, 
you honestly couldn't tell at times if it's are these just two colleagues who are you know joking with each other and are just having like a friendly rivalry or like are these guys legitimately gunning for the same job like there was that idea even when Schefter came in and like Schefter started getting a lot of the scoops he and Chris Mortensen never had an on-air moment of real tension it was just kind of like oh man are, are they like trying to force him out or are they trying to force like a John Clayton out and mm. with McShay and, and Kuiper, I just remember thinking like, man, these guys really go after each other when they're wrong about a pick or like they really go after each other if they don't if they don't have the same. That was really interesting. On, on right. Right off the bat when they started that. You're right. Yeah. And then they kind of like fell, was, I thought, they really good fell into like each of their roles. And then they, you found out, I think, and ultimately you the, the takeaway was that there was room for the both of them. As yep. big as the NFL draft is and was and continues to be, you know. Um, yep. But, yeah, it's interesting. I could see this either working really, really well out there or just blowing up spectacularly. spectacularly. It doesn't feel like there's much of a middle ground when it comes to the Mike Mayock thing. But I've always liked him. I've always – I always like how he's a, he's a player's guy. I mean, maybe you could say he's too – He's maybe he's too cheery and he gives too much credit where maybe it's not due, but um, it, it says something, especially in this town where it's very easy for us to be negative about people and say this guy sucks and this guy sucks and that guy played like dog shit and, and Golden Tate alligator armed that catch last night or whatever. Like Mike Mayock is always on the player's side and he'll say, I love the way the guy does this and this and this and this and I don't know. I mean, it's just a different kind of – for a Philadelphia guy, he's not – you never really – there's never really a lot of negadelphia from him you know what i mean so maybe yeah, that's my that's new true. year's resolution to be less negadelphia nah nah you gotta keep it i don't think i'm that negadelphia anyway so I don't know. Oh, my resolution are. would be to give more hot takes in uh in 2019 because i don't i'm told i don't do enough hot takes well, there was the your uh, what was your list the the top fifty hot takes? Yeah, not you, all uh, of them. Not together. all of them were even hot takes. Like some of them, no, some, some of them, of them were, were like, like some of them were lukewarm. Some of them were just room temperature. Some of them were like I don't know, I don't know. Am I am I really pushing the envelope a little bit too much with this? Am I going? Am I going to go a little bit too crazy? Some of them here? were Afro- Come on, man! Come yeah. on, man! Come on, man! Am I going crazy? And it was like no, no, like. <laughs> I don't remember what. Yeah, well, I mean, like certain that's a totally rational feeling yeah, to have yeah. about about whatever. Well, player. there are certain people out there. There more... are certain people out there who have built their brand up just by saying shit, and uh, nobody really has any respect for them. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter because people have short memories anyway, and they don't remember what the hell you just said. You know, so. Speaking of those kind of people, you know who I ended up gaining a lot of respect for this year? Who's a uh... Skip Bayless? A little bit. Skip um, Bayless. I, listen, Skill. I don't know. Did, Skip. Skip. No, listen, skip. 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 Sounds like he says it with an listen. L. It sounds like he's saying. Oh, uh, that's right. You were going. Sk- you were going with Shannon. I was going with uh, skip. <laughs> skip. Why does it sound like he's pronouncing it with an L? S K I L P. Skilp Bailey. Skilp. Skilp. I always found it funny. So I went to Westchester. Pretty, and, actually, pretty and anytime, on that show. anytime the cheerleaders would say Rams, they would say Rams. So it'd be like, let's go Rams. Rams. And I could never figure out why that. Wait, happened. where was this? Westchester. Oh, okay, okay. Westchester University. Westchester Rams. They would go, yeah. let's go, Williams. But then, I don't that know. That sounds horrible. You, you, uh, you say chwa a lot with uh, 20. Chua, you'll say 20. 20. And sometimes if you say between, <laughs> you'll say between. So, I mean, like, whatever. Um, That's pretty good. But no, Skip Bayless had, had, I thought, one of the, the better um, quasi-self-indulgent profiles this year. He did the thing. He he posted it was a, like a long-form thing on Facebook oh, yeah, yeah. about his life and, and, you know, his childhood and everything. And I, I have to say, like, that guy... I gained 
a lot of respect for Skip. Yeah, but you, I still but, think but, he's but ridiculous. For his story, he's a character but for his himself. story and where he came from, but you, I mean, he's still just a guy that just says shit and flip flops. He's not like he his, his professional opinion is not to be respected, you know. Yeah. Nor is the professional yeah. opinion of other people who do that because they just say like like you can build a brand for yourself just doing hot takes back and forth and back and forth and people will read your stuff and people will laugh or whatever. When push comes to shove, like you know, it's like the guy who it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like oh, here's just another fucking take from this guy. Does he even believe what he's saying, or is he just saying shit to say shit? And like I would prefer, I would rather be you know, lukewarm and uh, below the radar instead of just like building a name for myself as a guy who just like says shit to stay uh, in the Twitter uh, cycle, you know, I, I don't know. Yep. And it's a bit, it's a, it's a balance. <sighs> just like everything. Speaking of, speaking of a balance, how about your boy, Manny Diaz from, uh, from temp? I mean, uh, Miami, he's ex, ex Miami temple. temple. I guess already Miami. he's the ex temple head coach. Yeah. Former future. Will we call him former future Temple Undefeated. coach? Undefeated. I'm really Manny looking Diaz. forward to the Jeff Collins versus uh, Manny Diaz <laughs> matchup next year. Uh, Georgia Georgia Tech versus Miami, and then maybe Dude, the winner no maybe about... the winner will play uh, Adazio at Boston College. How about that? How long was uh, Collins the coach? Two years, two seasons. Okay. I don't know why. See, I didn't realize that Diaz hadn't. Because listen, I don't care about Temple football. I really don't care about many college sports at all. I certainly don't care about Temple football. No offense to the Temple people I care. out there. And I know that, that most of the uh, Philly sports talk radio hosts who uh, listen to this podcast. Do you think they're talking? Do you that, think they're spent? So this is the Monday after the Eagles qualify for the playoffs. The, the Manny Diaz thing, if that this happened anywhere else on the pl- uh, anywhere else in the country, would be the most talked about thing ever. But they probably, probably they probably spent f- maybe five seconds talking about it. Let's steer it back to the Eagles. Because it's actually a very um, good – it's not just like, well, a dude left it's Temple. A good, it's, it's a good, good like, sidebar, like, what are we doing with college <coughs> football coaches kind of – kind of discussion you know what i mean let me it's messed let me up. read this it's really messed let up let me read this um you know actually let me back up so people know what the hell we're talking about so jeff collins left temple to take the georgia tech job uh ed foley was the interim coach who coached at the whatever bowl in shreveport where they lost to duke uh manny diaz was the defensive coordinator under mark richt at uh miami diaz took the head coach job at temple uh to replace Collins, Mark Rick suddenly resigned yesterday, Sunday. And so Miami scrambled and called Diaz back and said, do you want to stay here instead of going to temple? And so Diaz flaked and went back to Miami. Miami paid uh, a $4 million buyout fee to temple and temple also collected a 2.5 million buyout fee from Collins who went to Georgia tech. So temple lost two coaches in the span of two months and made $6.5 million out of it so the, the 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 immediate takeaway for me is that as a longtime college football fan and somebody who loves the sport number one i i want to see relevant college football in philadelphia you know like i didn't go to temple i'm not a temple guy but i want to see college football be important here you know when temple was seven and zero or whatever the in 2015 and they played notre dame in college game day i was here it was amazing people were talking about it. people cared about it as much sports as we consume in this town surely there's enough for for college football too you know whether you went to temple or not i know the st joe's and the villanova people don't don't give a shit but for an outsider like me for like a neutral like me i i just like seeing good college football here you know and i'd like to see that program have their own stadium and and you know, not be relegated to the getting kicked out of the Big East and being shitty, you know, two and ten team year after year after year. You know, um, yeah. The other half is that you know the kids. Every time a kid transfers, they got to wait. They got to skip a year. You know, 
these coaches, you know, if, imagine, imagine this, Russ, imagine if you had an 18 year old kid and your 18 year old kid committed to Jeff Collins at Temple and then Collins left and then Manny Diaz called your kid and said, you know what, I really want you to stay here. We're going to do this and this and this. And then Diaz flakes like two days later after he gets off the phone with your son. And then you're sitting there like, what the, f- what the fuck is happening here? Like, how, how, is that, how is that ever okay? Like, these guys say shit. They do their press conferences. They say, we're going to work hard and we're going to, you know, commit to the team and we're going to, uh, you know, do things the right way and we're going to be good young men and we're going to do community service on blah, on blah, blah, Diamond blah, blah. Street and we're going to, you know, wash the car, wash people's cars outside the McDonald's at Broad and Gerard and we're going to do all this shit. And then two days later, he's back in Miami saying, we're going to do this for the Miami Hurricanes. Like, it's all, it's all a fucking farce, man. What was funny because I... I went after, I was looking for the Manny Diaz tweets just to see if there was anything interesting that came out, you know, recently. And it was, uh, he had, he had two tweets that he put out on the 27th and the second one was, uh, look at these. that said, I'm beyond excited to get to Philly and get around, uh, the players to form the same relationships we have with our guys down here, meaning Miami. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you hold yourself to a high standard and demand it of those around you. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Temple Tough <laughs> at Temple, at temple <laughs> underscore football. And so there was like the next day, some guy on Twitter or lady, Acres of Cherries, uh, with a Temple avatar said, the next generation starts today, exclamation point. And me, just like as a quick aside, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to mess with this. So I, I did narrator. It didn't. <laughs> And it's gotten 561 likes and 21 retweets. It's by far the most engaged tweet I've ever had in my life. And I didn't even mean for it to be. It was just a, it was an aside. But it is funny because when you read these tweets by, by, uh, by Diaz, it's just so funny because, you know, his first tweet is all about pumping up the, the jobs that, or the job that he had done, um, as a defensive coordinator at, at Miami and about how proud he was of those guys. And then that second one, like, is, is all about refocusing it and like kind of building that Miami culture. And he's Philly. already got his, uh, Twitter, uh, headline photo yeah, updated. He, it says, man, yep, it's already Miami. <laughs> yep. There's no corresponding tweet. The last, the last tweet is the one that you just said about, um, building, building Yeah, there's nothing there about, Temple. Hey, you know, and look, I, I think he owes it. Listen, I know that he was only technically the head coach for, I guess the better part of two weeks. Seventeen. Uh, I think the 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 rumor had been what the seventeenth, yeah. But like you kind of owe it to the kids that that committed to your team at Temple. I think you owe it to the people who hired you at Temple to offer a public statement that says, "Look, you know, this wasn't something that I had planned for." My my yes. original yeah. aspiration had been to be the head coach at the University of Miami. I hope everybody can understand was, that this is. A, I hope everybody a can understand that it's a, a dream of a situation. lifetime. I, I apologize exactly. to you. To I apologize to Temple and to and to the <laughs> kids I recruited and to all the people that I yeah. that I had spoken Please to. I, I really it, did mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I meant what I said when I said it, and I was looking forward mm. to it. But when the dream of a lifetime, oh, yeah. you know, the opportunity of a lifetime comes up, you have to pursue that dream. Look, people would still hate him yeah. for it, but at least be transparent. The fact that it's it's, it's now been, I guess, seventeen hours since that news yeah. broke, and there's, there's still, still nothing. Not well. It's so a bad look. It's a really bad look. This I, is uh, no, no, no. I found a quote from there was a write up on the Miami um, website where he was quoted in it. I don't know if he actually wrote these out or if this was some PR director putting some shit together, but there's a quote from him that it's uh, oh it says okay so it says diaz said that quote as excited as i am about staying home i hate the way this unfolded with respect to temple i was given a tremendous opportunity to lead the temple program and i was actively engaged in doing just that when i woke up this morning i never saw this coming no one did i do hope that temple players administration and fans appreciate the uniqueness of the situation and the overwhelming pull to stay home 
Pat Kraft is a phenomenal leader, and I know he will hire a great coach to move them forward. Okay, but like that should be that should have been posted to the top and, and pinned to the top of your Twitter page immediately. You're exactly he right. should have had he should have called Mark Narducci at the Inquirer and said, "Mark, I, I, I this is what I want to say. Can you please put this on the front page of the Inquirer sports section or something?" Um, there were other, there were better ways to do it instead of like what looks like a quote that was passed on to to Miami PR, you know. Yep. But the the recurring theme again, this is this is college football in a nutshell. Here is that the coaches have all the power. There's no repercussion for them, uh, nor is there any reper repercussion for you know. It, see, here's the other here's the other layer of it. Like the guy from St. Joe's Prep just quit his job at St. Joe's Prep to fucking go to Temple. <laughs> to be an assistant under Manny Diaz. So what happens to him? Um, Gabe, uh, what the hell's his name? Gabe Infante, I think. So, yep. you know, this this is not just like, for, for Manny Diaz, it's easy to say, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, not sorry. You know, thanks, but no thanks. Whatever yep. dumb cliche you want to use there. The Demi Lovato song. But, you know, he's he's in 17 days, he's already screwed up the future of a bunch of other other people already, you know? So, What's the name of the guy who makes the hires for Temple? Um, it's, it's Pat... Um, uh, Pat Kraft, I think his name is. Do you think he's listening to uh, Ariana Grande's song "Thank You Next"? Uh, I hope so, because I'm still I'm so grateful oh, for my ex. That's a good tweet. Let me. I'm gonna go do that one right now. Seriously, you're gonna steal. You're gonna steal my you idea. Have to do it before I I get in. You just you just <laughs> wait. I don't even know what the guy's name is. No, no. Listen, listen. You can't but do it. To, I mean, to wrap it up, it's like I I, I know that. Um, Coral Gables is not, uh, you know, I know that 17th and Gerard is not, uh, you know, Coral Gables, Florida. Um, and I know that Manny Diaz has ties. There. I think his dad was like the the, the um, mayor of Miami. Okay. So if somebody told you, if somebody came up to me and said, Kevin, I know you just took the job uh, coaching, um, I don't know. Exeter soccer up in Berks County, but the LaSalle College High School soccer job just opened. Do you want to take it? I would I would be calling the athletic director in Exeter and saying, Listen, man, you gotta understand. <laughs> you know, so I don't I don't blame I don't blame him for that, but at the same time it's like it it's just shitty that there's no other that there's no other recourse here. You know what I mean? I mean the only other solution yeah. is just to open it up and make it so that the college athletes have the same um have the same power that coaches do, you know, like, especially if a guy, if you commit to like Jeff Collins and say Jeff Collins leaves after your rookie year, and then you're just a new coach comes in and he doesn't think you have what it takes. Then if you want to transfer just to get playing time and have a, have a shot at doing anything, you got to wait out a year and then what, you know? Yeah. So it's just, I mean, if you're going to, if that's how it's going to be with the coaches and it has to be reciprocal, um, or else it's, you're never going to hear the end of all this like amateur athletes and you, they deserve to be paid and they deserve to have this and they deserve to have that. That's only going to get worse when you have these kind of situations continue, you know? Yeah. You know what my, I, the, the one thing that I brought up to you before we came on and, and I don't know how many people this is going to resonate with. Um, but like there, there's part of me who now like that, that sits back and, and thinks that this is kind of similar to what happens in the international soccer market when, when guys have, um, what do they call them? The early exit clauses like Neymar, had played for mm-hmm. Barcelona and he, he was given a new extension. It was like, God, it was hundreds of uh, over a hundred million dollars that PSG had to um, pay to get him out of his contract. And it's not, it's not quite like the way that things work. It's not like trades they are straight up transfers. And if you execute that exit clause, 
uh, you can essentially like buy the player away from whatever team he's under contract with. And it's weird because like these, but that these was just that, that was just, just a trigger, right? It wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like buyout plus transfer fee. No, I think it was just the Neymar. buyout. It was just a yeah. trigger. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's that's. But it's weird because like yeah. those are, those are two mechanisms in the sports world that just don't make sense. Like guys should not be able to just walk out on the contract that they have. Now I saw that you know there's there. Did you already bring up the the compensation that that Temple's going to get for both of these guys? Yeah, the six point five million. Yeah, but the, I mean, but the longer wild, term, but, but the longer term thing for Temple is that again, you we were already talking about Manny Diaz as a guy who was only going to probably stay here for two years anyway. You know, it, it wasn't going to the, the higher, even if he didn't flake and go back to Miami, it was going to be another one of those things where his roots are not here, his heart's not here. It's just a stepping stone job for him. So, so for Temple, do you keep going with these motivated first time head coaches like the the Matt Rules and the Manny Diaz's and the Jeff Collins, Collinses and the Steve Adazios, and like you know you're going to get good stuff from them for two years before they inevitably leave, or do you go like try to find like an older guy who's going to settle down here and try to build something out of this program? I mean, like a like I don't know, like what the fuck is Randy Edsel doing these days, or like a like a Paul Pascaloni, or so like is that really where you want to go? Do you want to go down that road? I, I don't know. It's 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 a, like a circular thing for them. They keep finding themselves in this situation every two years, but I wonder if this now makes them change their philosophy of like taking coordinators per se and making like power five coordinators and giving them their first head coaching job. Yeah. I don't you know. know what I mean? Cause Collins came from <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Where did he come from? Adazio was at uh, Florida, right? was a coordinator there. Diaz was a coordinator at Miami and Collins, Collins, yeah, Collins, Florida, right? Jesus. I can't remember. Did he also college, come from Florida? College sports, not both, my thing. Did they both come from Florida, Jeff Collins and Steve Adazio? I don't know. Yeah, he was Florida's defensive coordinator, Jeff Collins, and Steve Adazio. Hang on. I hate Steve Adazio, by the way. Uh, I hate the way he talks to the media. Yeah, he was Florida's offensive coordinator, too. So they, went, so, they got two, so they got two Florida coordinators and a Miami coordinator here. And, and Matt Rule, of course, went to went to the Giants, actually, before he for one year before he came back to – to Temple in uh, in twenty uh, twenty thirteen, hmm. but that's kind of like their 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 mold, you know. So like I don't I don't know what you do. I don't I don't know if you say, well, we want a like a Temple guy. Do you give the job to Ed Foley? I don't I don't know. Like how do you how do you create long, longevity but make it so that your program not Mick Foley but like like create some longevity here to you know like your last four coaches have gone to Baylor, Boston College, Miami, and Georgia Tech. You know, so which is nice, and then you keep going through the cycle, but it's not—it's not giving you any continuity for your for your program. You know, yep. It's the most I've yep. ever talked about Temple football in my entire life, man. I tell you what. Well, you know what? That's probably the most coverage they'll get uh, for quite some time. It's a shame that was one of my hot takes in the 50, 50 hot take articles. Yeah. Well, it, it was no, no, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't related to that, but it was like there was a lot. It was a Big Five basketball take. It was that there's a lot of great storylines and a lot of interesting things that happen in Big Five basketball. But because it's a pro sports fan, nobody gives a shit. Nobody pays attention. Like you have guys at the Inquirer, like Narducci, and uh, like Mike Jensen, who write these great, you know, feature stories and stuff about these local athletes. But nobody gives a fuck because we're talking about Nick, Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. Did you watch? Uh, did you catch the highlights from UFC two thirty two? I did not. I saw Amanda, that uh, Amanda the, the one woman, the one woman threw a uh, a high kick and her big toe went into her opponent's eyeball. Yeah, Megan Anderson. So, what the hell was that? All that about? was that was yeah. wicked, man. 
That uh, I can't say I've been there before. That was weird. Amanda Nunes beat the shit out of Cyborg. Like, oh my was, god, yeah, that, that was, was probably the was, most amazing women's the, fight I've ever seen. They just like tried to kill each fight. other for a minute. Yep. <laughs> The whole fight was like 30 seconds, 40 seconds or something like that. It was amazing. Um, I'll leave you. How about I leave you with this? I don't give a shit about the John Jones fight because like Alexander Gustafson disappointed me with that. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but uh, you know, it was not long ago that Ronda Rousey, who's now a WWF or or WWE was uh, the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time. And now Amanda Nunes has, has knocked out Rousey, uh, almost killed Misha Tate, knocked out Cyborg, beat Valentina Shevchenko twice, I think. I mean, like, she she is – it's interesting because she's Brazilian, and I don't think, you know, she has the – obviously, Ronda Rousey was, like, this American chick who, who came flying onto the scene with these, like, great submissions and stuff like that. But Amanda Nunes is, is twice she's the fighter tough, that, that Ronda she's Rousey is. But I think because she's Brazilian and, like, Cyborg's Brazilian too, I don't think that fight really got a, a ton of buzz, especially in a, in a time this year where you had, like um, – you know, Wilder and Fury um, not long ago. You know, you had Triple G and, and Canelo fighting again. Like, that was, like, Nunez, Cyborg, and any in, in, on a, in any other, you know, set of months would have been would have been a pretty big deal, but it wasn't even the, the main event on this card, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I look at it now as a uh, as somebody who got back into the WWE, regrettably. Um, Ronda Rousey's What is not she even... doing in WWE? Is she, like, nothing. Did... She's awful. No, she's bad? She's not, well... Nobody's listening to Crossing Broadcast to hear my official breakdown of Ronda Rousey's wrestling. <laughs> but uh, it's the very end of the is, podcast. You can say is, whatever you want. This is this is a, a way that I would put it. Ronda Rousey has done a decent enough job of transitioning into being more of, I guess, what the performer's supposed to be. But her her character has never really made sense. Her first like two months in mm-hmm. WWE, she just would come out smiling, waving to the crowd, and it's like that's not why you were brought in here. You know, nobody thought of Ronda Rousey as this, like, happy-go-lucky, kind of goofy, smiley person, right? Like, you thought of her as having the braids, getting the gloves on, and just, like, beating the hell out of somebody else. And so, yeah, yeah, that yeah. part of it never made sense to me. Um, the The cool thing was that she had gotten Roddy Piper to give her... Well, Roddy Piper had given her the name, the nickname Rowdy, which is, you know, kind of like the lasting legacy, so... Uh, Rowdy, Ro- Rowdy Ronda Rousey, is that, that yeah, what they're that, doing? Yeah, that's, that's oh, okay. right. And so, right. she would do, like, the kilt, like... Uh, uh, Roddy Piper used to wear, um, and even like the text and everything on her merchandise is is the same kind of font as as Roddy Piper had had. Whatever, the the issue with it and and the reason that it doesn't really work is because you definitely know that she's tough. You know that she's done MMA, so you know that that she actually could beat someone up. Mm-hmm. But there's a clumsiness in her style that that is not fun to watch. And there are other women on like SmackDown. See, this is this is getting way too far. Well, let me now. ask you a quick, the, quick the question before champ- you get well, any former, former women's champion on SmackDown, Becky yeah. Lynch. She she actually now we is don't. She actually, the redhead. Yeah. Okay. Nobody knows if she could actually beat anybody up because it is it is entertainment. It's but like entertainment, she to me right? is more yeah. believable as somebody who would who would like get in a bar fight with you. Maybe it's the Irish accent. I don't know. So let me let me ask you this. So yeah. like Brock Lesnar is a guy who goes from MMA to. WWE to back to MMA or wherever the hell I guess yeah. he's with WWE right now. Right? He's got what Cormier coming up. 
in the spring. Uh, I think they're trying to do that. Yeah, but now, so now when Brock Lesnar goes to WWE, do does he need a persona or does he need a shtick or does he need to like ride in on a motorcycle or <laughs> smash beers over his head or anything? Or do, now, does he just come in as Brock Lesnar and people are cool with it? Well, he nobody's really cool with him being back at all. But um, okay, but like, is well, his he's situation got, he's got different than mouthpiece. different than so, Ronda Rousey's? Like, does Ronda Rousey need some kind of like needs, thing on the side, but Lesnar doesn't? There had been a thought for a while that maybe Paul Heyman, the guy who you know was formerly of ECW, you would recognize him if you saw him. Oh, I know. Yeah, Paul Heyman. So, yeah, yeah. so like Paul Heyman, there was a thought that maybe at some point, if Lesnar would leave WWE for good, that he might become Ronda Rousey's mouthpiece and kind of hype her up in the same way. And to me, I think that's what she needs. I think she actually okay. needs a, man- a manager because I don't think she's good on the mic at all. Lesnar was never really good on the mic, but when Lesnar grabs the mic now, it's just a curse. And because it's the PG era of mm-hmm. WWE... There seems to be like a, a little bit more of a believable edge. They've also done a few things in like the last calendar year where he's gotten in fights and he's actually like busted guys open with mm-hmm. hard elbows or whatever. And it's gotten to a point where you're like, oh my God, like, you know that it's not real, but there have been a couple moments where you've thought like, did he actually snap and like legitimately hurt this guy? Cause he had beef mm-hmm. with him and he's big enough that like everybody he goes up against with the exception of Braun Strowman is, is mar is like markedly smaller than him. So the, hmm. I guess the best way to put it is like because Lesnar proved it on the MMA side of things, he you know he was hit or miss on if he wins or not. But like he's gone and kind of held his own in a lot of those UFC bouts. I think there's just kind of like there's a nostalgia factor too of of him having started in WWE. He made that crossover and actually won a fight or two. So now people think he's more legitimate. And in the case of Rousey, like she started in MMA and she's trying to make that transition to WWE. But like hmm. fans have kind of turned on her in a sense. They, not within like the little bubble that is Monday Night Raw, but when they do crossover promotions and crossover pay-per-views, it's clear that she's not even close to being number one. Becky Lynch, who I mentioned before, is like the number one person in the company right now. So yeah. it's weird. Like they definitely wanted Rousey to be that. I think they expected Rousey to kind of take that women's division to a new level, and for you know casual MMA fans to make that jump over to to yeah. see how her career is going. But I, it's not like it's backfired, but I just don't think it's it's worked out the way that they expected it to. So that's your WWE update. Yeah, no, sorry. I was I was zoning out there for a minute because I had to uh, delete a racist comment off the Lane Johnson story. But I think oh, we're man. all good now. Yeah. We just do all a quick right. scan here for anything racist or anti-Semitic. But uh, otherwise, thanks, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast <laughs> and, like, uh, reading all our stuff over the last year. It is New Year's Eve, actually. So yeah, it's true. It's the we last didn't do any year ender. We didn't do any like year ender stuff for the website because I, you know, what, well, I was what the going to, the and, and nobody responded. Only well, because I, dude, I wrote Tim like, responded. Yeah, but I, I like, you know, I do like all the little blog posts and like some, some, you know, some of the posts would just be like a tweet or some bullshit or whatever. But I ended up writing. I think I ended up writing like eight hundred stories this year. I had like eight hundred posts, so there's no way I was going to be able to look through all of them. Look through everything and pick like what was. Yeah, well, I'll, put, I'll put this one up. So Tim, the, NBC, the, the NBC Sports article that that Kyle and I worked on together ended up doing that really well, one. and we got some. Um, that wasn't supposed to be a hit piece, by the way. It was just like people came to us and they wanted to talk, and they said, "You have no idea how bad it is here." So we wrote that up, and some people. Well, liked I think you guys it, did so. a good job with it. Thank so you. that that was Thanks. a good that was a good post. Uh, Tim Riley, who who writes for the site, um, he passed along that his favorite thing that he wrote was uh, right after the. The Eagles won. Uh, uh, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Maybe this is the NFC Championship game. 
Yeah, he said, "Oh, it was the yeah. it was the um, the win over the Falcons." Yes, in the playoffs, he wrote um, "Life at the Intersection of Cotman and Frankfurt," and that was a really good piece. If you go back and check it out, it's from January twenty second. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that was a really cool piece that he wrote. Um, I could go through everybody and, and say what my favorite thing that they wrote was, but yeah. then it just uh, it's but almost self indulgent as the time yeah. that I. Uh, I don't like to I, get all super like some people come out on Twitter and they do these like super sappy like year ending things like I, I you know. I just wanted to say thanks for this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it was a good year for me. And here's everything I did. And it's like goes on for like 10 tweets or something like that, you know. Yeah. But but we are very appreciative of everybody who listened to the podcast and read all our stories and stuff like that. And on to uh, 2019, you know. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I will uh, I'll agree with that. And I'll say to the people who have uh, stuck with this show through all the uh, the ups and the downs of the uh the infrequency this of it. This is two shows in two, lack, in two weeks, lack, man. This I know. Is, this is a lot. Well, it's, it's, well, when did, when did you do the last one? Thursday? See, that actually isn't a bad Two shows in one That's, week. How about that? How about it? Yeah, um, the only thing I'll say is I know that in the new year, the, uh, the goal is to get this thing back up and running on a more frequent basis. I don't know if it'll be three times a week. We're still kind of figuring that out as a team, but the show will be going back out as a much more consistent thing um, as we get further and further into this Eagles playoff run. Yeah, and don't worry, there will still, the be, Super Bowl there and, will still uh, be two <laughs> soccer podcasts. For yes, there will be. Uh, and, you know, as we get further into uh, Flyers and, and, uh, and Sixers seasons, so, uh, you know, make sure yeah. you keep checking out the stuff that's going up on the site. Kevin won't give himself all the props. He said that he wrote like Anna to post this year, and it's, it's true. He's done a uh, yeoman's work. Yeoman's work, yeoman's work, yeoman's yeah, work. Y- yeah, Y E O M A N. He's in yeoman's work for the site this year, um, being on call at all Mike times Yo. to 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 take the uh, the big the big pieces like the NBC Sports one, and uh, you know nonsensical irreverent things, and uh, you know Bob has done a lot on the uh, the gambling side and baseball and Anthony of course with hockey and who am I missing? Phil's been doing the Premier League stuff and he did a bunch of Jamel uh, Jamel Hill things and kind of like that that side of thing. And, the Jamel Hill beat. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember when she um, went to the Atlantic and everybody thought she was going to the Went athletic. to the Athletic. Yeah. That was maybe the best mix-up of the year. Um, Coggins written some really, Jamel really Hill, funny things. Why Tim, I'm joining the Atlantic. Tim, I think, is is maybe the uh, the Tim's all-star probably the of best the team. Ri- he's probably the best writer on the site. We got to get. Well, he's him what to pen do educated. So Tim, <laughs> Tim like doesn't say much. And yeah, when, he didn't when get Slack, a dire- when, directional like, school. And, and when uh, when Slack pops up and it's just like, all right, it's the normal normal cast and crew just like dropping in ideas for posts. Whenever I and see a Tim Tim thing appear in drafts i'm like ah yes this will be yeah very you see good. like and it on, never uh, requires on, on like slack, any editing at all it's always, on it's always slack, like you see like <laughs> riley t7 is typing and you're like oh my god what is this this is amazing yeah, and then yeah and he'll good, just go yeah. kyle kevin i have a thing in 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 uh in drafts yeah. it's like oh this is this is gonna be things sometimes I'm it's like, a book review god, yeah. and then sometimes it's it's other stuff but i i, I really got a kick out of it so well like i said my resolution next year is to do uh was it to do more hot takes or less hot takes? I can't remember. To you said more? you were going to do more hot to takes. To do more hot takes, all right. Which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I still, uh, well, we still have a few. We still have like 12 hours until uh, 2019 hits, so I might flip-flop um, and change my mind on that. But that would make me like Skip Bayless, who you have a new respect for. So there you I go. Do. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to dropping this new uh, Yori Letaire thing I have, uh, including Skew. I'm trying to figure out a way to embed the video, but there's a, there's a part here where... Uh, one of the guys who's charged in the Yori Laterra cocaine ring mm-hmm. is shoving his face into his mittens in the courtroom. It's oh, really? not that cold. I know Finland's cold, but it's not that cold in the courtroom. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, yeah, looking I'll forward to, you, to uh, dropping that to one. That so, yeah. Okay. Uh, go check out all the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including 
Mm. Kevin, on uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, oh. one of the soccer podcasts, as well as uh, Crossing Broad FC with myself and Phil Kaidel. Uh, Snow the Goalie with uh, Anthony Sanfilippo and myself. We'll also be doing the Press Row show live from Wells Fargo Center Press Row on Facebook Live via the Crossing Broad page and on Anthony's Twitter account at AnSanPhilly. Uh, what else? Oh, and uh, of course, Crossed Up as we wait for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper to make their minds up. Bob and uh, and Anthony do Crossed Up a Phillies podcast, so make sure you go subscribe to those shows. And I know not everybody reads the descriptions of these episodes, but if you look at the bottom, there are links to all of those shows. I think it redirects you either to Art19 or to iTunes. You just click on that, and then you can subscribe on whatever platform you want to subscribe on. Find those guys on Twitter, all that. So uh, thanks for a great 2018. We'll be back at it again in 2019. So for right. Kevin, at Kevin underscore Kincaid, I'm Russ at Joy Abroad. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again. Happy New Year. In the new year. <laughs>